Welcome to the Curiosity Podcast, a show about everything e-commerce and digital business. The aim is simple, to help you thrive online. And now, your host, Matt Edmondson. Welcome, my fellow e-commerce entrepreneurs. My name is Matt Edmondson, and this show is for those of us who are curious about e-commerce and want to know how to get better at doing digital business. And in today's show, I'm going to have a fantastic conversation with the amazing Casey Golden, who is the founder and CEO of LuxLock. And she's going to share with us her secrets on how to sell a $6,000 sweater online. Yes, that's what we are getting into, how to sell high-end goods online. I will put a link to Casey and LuxLock in the show notes, along with a transcript from today's show that you can find at mattedmondson.com. And a big shout out to today's sponsor, which is Curious.Digital. It is the e-commerce platform that I use. It's a brilliant platform, an experience-based e-commerce platform. They call it experience-based because actually the whole development of it came out of uh, multiple e-commerce websites over multiple years. It wasn't, you know, this is the best way to build an e-commerce website according to developer and therefore you have to use it that way. No, no, no. This system was designed around real e-commerce businesses that are live and in the trenches. And it is a great platform. It is definitely my platform of choice. So if you would like to know more about Curious Digital, do check it out at curious.digital. That's curious with a K, curious.digital. Now, let me introduce to you uh, today's guest, Casey Golden, who, like I say, is the founder and CEO of LuxLock. Now, so much has changed in the world of e-commerce in just a short space of time, right? Uh, from how companies feel about selling online and how consumers choose to shop online, right? You will have noticed this even in the last few months, it is changing. But surprisingly, very little has changed in terms of high-end fashion. And for consumers in high-touch retail, right, where you find the high-end brands that aren't price-driven, um, where it all comes down to desire, brand identity, guilty pleasures, and what we call in the UK, splurging. That's right, just going out and buying something like that. And looks like brings this kind of concierge service that consumers equate with high cost. They expect personalized, on-demand services where they aren't left waiting around for someone to get back to them, but they don't want it automated, right? And this is where LuxLock uh, and Casey has starting to do some really interesting things and have some amazing ideas. They've worked super hard to understand the needs of their customers in order to provide this incredible experience where trust and intrinsic value are established and built on, okay? Now, even though you may not be a luxury brand uh, and selling $6,000 sweaters, um, 
with a sales strategy like Looks Lock, there are lessons that you will definitely want to learn and take away from this conversation with Casey about customer service. For me, the key lesson being understand the value of your customer, get inside your customer's head and understanding them and their experience will help your business thrive online. Absolutely. We are going to get into that and more. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Casey Golden. Great. So Casey, thanks for being on the show. Great to have you. Happy to be here. <laughs> and at the time of recording this, you're in New York, in Brooklyn, right. New York, and I can see the sun is shining outside of your window. Is that right? It's about going to be a, about 80 degrees today. So, um, we, we deserve it. It's been raining all week. <laughs> we deserve it. You know what? I'm looking outside of my window as well, and the sun is shining, but it is not 80 degrees. It'll come. It's, yeah, well, no. <laughs> no, this is England. This is the summer. It might get to its mid-70s, but that'd be about it. Um, so give us a little bit of background. You've been around uh, e-commerce for a number of years now. Um, you're the founder of... Uh, looks look and is it going well yeah um, e-commerce and you know shopping online has evolved um, over the last 15 years uh, quite a bit and we've gone through a lot of different transitions um, between how companies feel about selling online and how consumers um, have decided to start shopping online to where it's become much more natural um, than it used to be. Mm. Um, and technology has evolved to a place now where we have access to um, API integrations, affiliate marketing, different types of consumer data, advertising platforms. And, you know, we've got this, this great hub right now of innovation that can be scaled mm. that it couldn't have been even five years ago. No, I mean, it, technology is crazy, isn't it? I mean, I started in 2002, so a little bit before you did uh, e-commerce and the, the platforms back then, to when I think about what they were to what they are now, oh, it's unbelievable how, how much has happened in such a short space of time. It has. Um, and as much as e-commerce has changed, over the years, um, I find it interesting how little it's changed in the fashion industry, especially okay. the high-end fashion industry. They, they were late to the party um, in most cases in the early 2000s. Um, and, you know, they're, they're catching up. So, yeah, when we were... When we were talking about this before we hit the record button, um, you were talking about these sort of two different types of e-commerce that you see, right? And, and this I thought was fascinating. What, what, what do you mean by these two different types? So in retail, there, there's always been two types of retail. There's low touch, which now I think we can easily say that that's turned into self-serve. Mm -hmm. um, and those are functional utility purchases. Um, they're the sale is driven by the price. And then you have high touch retail, which is brands like um, Dior, 
uh, Louis Vuitton, uh, Christian Louboutin, Jimmy Choo, seven, even like down to your first pair of $200 pair of jeans mm -hmm. um, and buying a pair of seven for all mankind, right? Um, that's high touch retail. Mm -hmm. um, it's not about price. It's not price driven. Um, they don't offer a lot of sales uh, traditionally. So there has to be a different reason and a different process of selling an item that is expensive and full price, um, you know, 10, maybe even 10 months out of the year. Okay. So how, because this is your specialty, isn't it? Is says is selling um, what you call high touch products, these expensive products. This is where you've sort of, you, you, all your journey has sort of led you to this point of being able to sell expect well, that's expensive products. Correct. Um, and so <clears throat> it's not about price. Um, it's not about sales. Uh, what is it about? You know, there's, um, there's brand affinity. There's, um, it's more about desire um, and really wanting something or mm -hmm. really finding joy from purchasing something. Um, and it's, it's about like guilty pleasures and, and spoiling yourself or perhaps splurging on something. Um, or for, for many of these luxury brands, it's about saving clients time and effort of the process of shopping and building a wardrobe. Mm -hmm. um, they, have, they offer more concierge services. Um, and in, in this high touch section of retail, Service is part of the product. And so there's no, there's no separation. It's all. No, it's, it's that beautiful experience. Um, being able to walk into a store, have a relationship with a sales associate, with the brand, and ha have um, you know a unique shopping experience that is very special to just you. Yeah. Um, and having somebody thoughtfully curate uh, your purchases mm -hmm. and educate you about the brand. Um, and sometimes we just want to be filled up and, and have a happy moment when we had a really bad day. <laughs> I think half my shoes were purchased on a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so this is, I mean, the phrase you, you said a second ago, which I thought was quite interesting was this, um, this idea of finding joy. So these high touch products you find, it's finding the joy, it's the guilty pleasures, it's the, it's the, it's engaging more than just a kind of utilitarian approach. I need this just because I need it, but I need this because I actually really want it. I really want it. Yeah, and I've, I've worked hard or saved hard or, do you know what I mean? I, this, is, this is something special versus something which is just ordinary. And so is that, that, and that actually, I, from a psychological point of view, is going to be a mood booster, which is why you bought your shoes, half your shoes when, you, when the, the day is going bad, right? Yeah. Um, you know, retail therapy. That's the, retail the, therapy is real. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many different types of drivers that lead us to make a purchase that have nothing to do with um, an email marketing campaign, a Facebook ad, um, this part of retail has been working for decades, Yeah, I mean, probably over, you know, 
since the first retail store, the first custom uh, dressmaker yeah. is being able to have that experience of, I want something just for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there's, there's this beautiful thing that happens that, you know, as you change stages in your life, you need different things and more opportunities become present. Um, not everybody could have a stylist all the time. Mm. Um, only a, a certain, certain people had access to that, you know, luxury of that yeah. real relationship. And since then, um, over the last, you know, 10 years, I've been part of um, this uh, subscription economy of everybody gets a personal stylist, we'll put all these products in a box, we'll ship it to you. Um, and I've been on, been on both sides of that as a startup that is sending the boxes and as a brand that's getting all the returns from the company that ships all the boxes. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's a lot of different constraints in the supply chain. Mm -hmm. How many products are in the mail on our way back? Mm -hmm. uh, and what value are we providing the end consumer? Um, and how can we do it better? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's starting to get used to that people feel like I should be able to have good customer service if I'm working with the brand. And as the price of the product increases, you know, the level of customer service expectations also increases. You know, that's a really interesting point, actually, that the higher the, the higher the value of the product, the more the customer service expectation increases. I think it's such a true statement that um, if you're selling something just for a couple of bucks, you don't expect great customer service. No, there's really not an um, expectation that um, I'm going to receive great customer service. Um, and so we have a lot of solutions for customer service that include call centers mm -hmm. um, that support that model. Mm. It's, um, but when it comes to how do we provide premium customer service to every shopper, there's not a lot of options today, mm -hmm. um, but it's becoming more prevalent and consumers are demanding it. You know, they want personalization. Yeah. They want on-demand um, service. They don't want to wait for somebody to get back to them within 24 hours. Having bucketed customer service um, AI tools or bots is frustrating to, to the consumers that are, that are used to receiving amazing service from some high-end brands. Yeah that are now implementing an AI tool or um, proactive, like predictive messaging, mm -hmm. they're being let down because they're used to receiving great service. And now they're, they're now stuck. They're getting automated service. They're getting automated service. So this, they, is, this is interesting because there's a lot of conversation at the moment. Um, you know, do you put these bot systems on your site because they become super trendy and everyone's like, my revenue increased like 4 billion percent by adding this bot to my website. Um, but they are very uh, rigid conversations. It's a bit like talking to me, you know, when I travel around Germany, I've got my phrase book and they're the only phrases that I can say. I can't have a conversation 
I can just say these fixed phrases and it doesn't, it, it does it doesn't work that well does it and i that i thought that was quite an interesting comment that um actually certainly for high end products the idea of automation is attractive but the outworking of it is is not so spectacular is that what you're saying yeah i mean in order to in order to program one of those systems you really have to know your customer mm-hmm. and understand the shopper journey um and so I've spoken to some, some brands that have attempted to implement one of those systems and, you know, you have to program it. Mm-hmm. So you have to build those recipes and those yeah. funnels of conversation with the assumptions of, you know, what, what could come back. Right. And, um, you know, I think one of the weaknesses that we've had for a long period of time in retail is that we've been very wholesale driven businesses instead of direct to consumer. And so we don't have a lot of data to understand what is my customer journey? What kind of questions will they ask? What is important to them when they want to engage in customer service? Just having some of those real time conversations and having that customer service department as, you know, human beings that are that are experts in the space yeah. can really help you understand or like us to understand how can i anticipate the customer's needs better um so that's something that we're working on with you know our live chat mm-hmm. it, um you know how can i facilitate the need um and, and make it a very special and, and custom experience this is where AI becomes interesting, isn't it? Because actually the, the, the systems are learning with you as you go along, which gives you a better, a better end result. Um, I would, I would, th- this is where I, I think it's, it's the whole field of e-commerce merging with AI is going to start to be quite fascinating. I don't know if you've come across this. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, but there's something that, you know, there's a difference between buying and shopping. If I'm buying, I already know what I'm going to buy when I come onto this website. Um, when I come to a website, um, because it's now summer, blouses, do I need dress? I, I, don't, I have no idea. Sure. Um, but a, a shopper is expected that, to know where they're navigating to on an e-commerce store as soon as they arrive. I'm with you. Um, well, I just don't know yet. <laughs> Shopping is more about like exploring, getting... Um, getting some ideas in front of you. So when people walk into a store, they usually walk around the store and just grab items and throw mm. them over their arm and then just dump them in a fitting room <laughs> and yeah. go through the exploration process and, and maybe ask some people, um, you know, Instagram's very popular um, to kind of get some style inspiration. But when you go to these high-end brands, you have an expert there that yeah. will help you cur- curate that. So, you know, our objective is, when you visit a website, um, you know, just click a little button, get assigned a stylist that you can continue to have that relationship with, and they can go ahead and say, ah, oh, here are the best three dresses um, that would look great on you for, for summer. If you do shopping really well, um, the customer will buy. This is like this is very different to your what very is it? different process. Yeah, the, the low touch process, which is like you say, I know what I want by just take that. Yes. So you, 
you're talking about now high touch products the the buyer comes to the site they don't actually know what it is they want um other than they're going to come to that site and if there's someone there which they know and trust and have some kind of relationship with because they're experts in that field mm -hmm. they're looking for these sort of recommendations and then they're gonna that's gonna help them make these decisions right there we have this feeling that I need to look at everything before I can make a decision if I'm doing mm -hmm. it by myself however if I'm if I'm working with somebody that I know um, I trust them you know they can they can guide me through that that um, decision-making process and make me feel really confident about my purchasing decision mm -hmm. um, and because I'm going to go back and see them again and work with them again, um, I feel more, more trust, mm -hmm. right? I feel more of some accountability that this person is just not trying to sell me something. Um, this is a relationship that's going to be nurtured over time. And this is something that's always happened in the store, um, in a physical store, but it's never been translated online. So it is possible to, to take these ideas now and bring them online. We can ha create these digital experiences um, that are custom curated, on demand, in a moment, um, and really transform what happens in a store on mm -hmm. in an online presence um, with more speed. How do you bring this level of experience, this level of uh, customer service, the concierge type thing? to a, a website? How, what's your thinking in that process? Today, a website is essentially a digitized catalog. Mm -hmm. So before there was e-commerce, um, we had catalogs that came in the mail, right? Yeah, yeah, I still remember them. Right, yeah, we got a catalog, <laughs> you'd go through, you'd circle it, yeah, yeah. Uh, you'd call a phone number and you'd place your order. You know, yeah. or you'd fax it if you had technology, you know. That's right. There was a page you could rip out and fax yeah. it. <laughs> state of the art. State of the that art. That is essentially what we've what we what e-commerce is today, in my opinion. It yeah. is a digitalized catalog business, um, which is a still pretty much self-serve. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just streamlined and more efficient. Um, and I feel that if we created the internet today, I don't think we build e-commerce stores. Ah, okay. I'm loving where you're going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I don't think that we would rebuild a catalog business in 2019. Um, I think we would build something different. Um, I think we would go about it a little bit differently. And I think Amazon, you know, moved a little faster on breaking boundaries mm -hmm. than the rest of the industry has, has moved. Um, because e-commerce didn't mean anything to a lot of premium brands for a while. Mm. Social media wasn't, didn't seem important for a while. Mm. So, um, today it's number one and it's all about the consumer. So, can we just take all e-commerce stores and say, hey, you know what, let's be mobile first. Let's be a totally different platform and digital infrastructure. No, it's, it won't work. Mm. <laughs> there are too many players um, yeah. and 
you know, whether or not the consumer is ready or not for a different solution. Um, the supply chain management of how products are distributed and, and, and cataloged isn't ready for a brand new platform mm -hmm. to just, like implement. So like in 2020, we've got innovation. You know, I feel that there's going to be a process okay. uh, of change and building out a digital infrastructure um, that is really direct to consumer focused um, for a lot of companies that have been wholesale focused. Mm -hmm. So I see the greatest opportunity um, in chat software. They're confident with it as well, aren't they? They're I mean, confident with it. They, in fact, if you don't have a chat piece of chat software on your website, um, it could be a barrier of why somebody's not making a purchase. Yeah. Uh, because for some businesses, even the bucketed answers and the proactive messaging, it works. Mm -hmm. You're asking questions that everybody asks. Um, so it's really important to understand your product and understand your customers to say, how can I serve you? Mm -hmm. uh, what potential questions could you have throughout the buying decision that I can prepare for and make sure it's really fast and easy for you to get to that information. Um, the problem comes when the question is, I'm looking for a gift for my sister for her graduation. So the problems that when it's outside of the script, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Outside of the script. Yeah. I have so many questions to ask. How old yep. is your sister? Is she graduating from high school or college? Yeah, there's so many questions yeah. that I need to ask that have nothing to do with the consumer data that's being maybe scraped from my browsers and cookies because that's me. Sure. Not my sister. And so for us, we decided, how do I shop for you looking for something for someone else um, and do a really beautiful, great job. So we've decided we have a chat software directly connected to somebody who works at that brand and has worked at that brand for quite many years. It's not it's, robots. It's not automation. There are real people. No, we're going more towards human augmentation. How do I help these people that do a really great, great job? um have been in that career for a while and how can i help them scale their reach mm -hmm. how can i make their lives their work lives easier mm -hmm. and and grow their business um because that helps everybody yeah it helps the consumer it helps the brand and it helps the the end you know associate so that we're all working together again for the same result um and we are able to put outfits together. So uh, in order for me to purchase an item, I need to see it. If I'm gonna be purchasing multiple items, like an outfit or even cosmetics, which you may not be as familiar with, uh, but there we, we do all of these, we, we wear layers. <laughs> so you have a prompt, you have a, you know, you have your lotion and you have a primer and then you have your foundation and you have concealer. These are all things that are purchased together. Yep. They're all part of a process. We wear a shirt, a pair of pants, a jacket, um, and we might have some of these things that we already use and have favorites of, even from different brands. We use them, you know, together. Yep. So for me to have a meaningful conversation with somebody about a product, it's helpful for them to know what I use. And if we're going to work together on a regular basis, they should just know 
and have access to that, mm -hmm. uh, which we call zero party data. Um, so zero I, party data data. Yeah. So that's data that I say, Hey, I want you to have this extra information about me so I can get a better right. service. Get a better service. Yeah. yeah. Which would be the questions you would ask if to somebody who walks into your store, you would find that information out. So we would find that information out um, and save them time. Cause at mm -hmm. the end of the day, everything is about saving time. You know, that's the way that we get customers to come back without having to pay for them through, you know, uh, a marketing channel. Mm -hmm. is you really serve your customers in a way that you're creating value an intrinsic yeah. value um because it's it's really expensive to advertise um i mean in the grand scheme of things it's pretty inexpensive um and it's getting less expensive over time but in order to compete you know you need like a minimum of like ten thousand dollars just on social media ads a yeah. month that's quite expensive for a lot of companies to get started. Yeah. Um, and that number just goes up to where mm -hmm. you have some companies that are spending a hundred thousand dollars just on Instagram ads a month. Well, um, it's great if you've got the budget. Yeah. It's really great if you've got the budget. <laughs> but uh, like you say, the customer acquisition then becomes quite expensive. You know, you, um, your first customer often you're either making a loss or at best breaking even because of the advertising it's taken to get them there. Yeah. Um, and then once that person makes a purchase from you, my methodology or, or way of thinking about it is I now, I can do things for this person now differently. Why am I going to, I shouldn't have to pay them to come back and shop with me again. Sure. I should have been able to do something and provide a service and a value of a product and introduce them to the brand in a way that they want to come back yeah. or they want to tell somebody else that, oh, oh, you're looking for that. I just had the best experience with this company. Um, those are the types of things that just work a lot better, but they're mm -hmm. harder to control. You know, you can't just pay somebody to say, Hey, put this in front of this person again. Sure. Uh, but you know, we pay for referrals, right? That's pretty common. If you mm -hmm. share with friends, you get $25 yeah, yeah. off or something of that nature. Um, but you know, if you're purchasing a $6,000 cashmere sweater, <laughs> how important is 25 bucks or 25 pounds, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, it does, it's, it's not- It doesn't make sense, you're right. It, it totally it's doesn't not make, make it or break it. Um, mm -hmm. We can't compete on price, um, otherwise we're just, you know, competing with ourselves and, yep. and kind of racing to the bottom. And um, we need to create more value for current customers and really think about how can I nurture these customers in a way that makes them want to have brand affinity and loyalty with me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't need points. I don't need discounts. I don't need 10% off. Um, what I really need is, you know, when I come to shop with you that I get service, it's good. And I get, I achieve my goal, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you remember me and make me feel valued. Like I matter. I mean, bringing this all back, this is what you've developed with your, your company, right? You've developed software to, to do this. Yeah. We're, we're, we're starting to do it, you know? Okay. Cause it sounds to me like if I'm, if I can be candid, 
this sounds remarkably intuitive it sounds very simple and i think i mean i, I run e-commerce businesses so i go oh, this will be amazing to do this but then the technology side of me <laughs> thinks how in the world do you actually do that right because i mean it, it sounds i mean all the best ideas sound remarkably simple um and intuitive and remarkable but the complexity of that you must be finding it it's uh, it's quite a steep learning curve i would have thought yes so um how to do it is a very different conversation um versus what we do <laughs> you know there's a great quote saying um i could have said less but it, i didn't have an extra hour <laughs> okay like and that was really what it came down to is it has to be very simple for the consumer mm -hmm. and the shopper experience and the technology needs to be invisible. Mm -hmm. It just needs to work. Um, but in order to do that, we had to spend an immense amount of time building out this infrastructure for, yeah. for something that doesn't exist yet, you know? Um, and, and understanding how do we connect all of these dots to create this as simple as it is to put an outfit together that you can buy in one click and make sure that it's specific to you as one individual. Yeah. Um, so people ask me, they're like, oh, well, how do you do it? And I'm just like, ah, we'd need a whiteboard. Um, why don't you just go here to this, this website? Go try it. See what you think. Because um, it's taken us a long time. So, and in technology has helped in that, um, yeah. in that process, so, it's evolved so, so much. So the software that you've created, um, what's been the, the, the customer sort of feedback and experience with it? I'm, I'm really intrigued. We've, we've done a lot of like user testing. Um, we've even gotten on the phones with, or like video calls with some shoppers that, that spend $500,000 a year on clothing. And wow. we've, we've shown them, this is, this is what, we're, what we're creating. You don't shop online today, um, but you'd like to. Mm -hmm. But you find that it's, it's too cumbersome, there's too many choices, it takes too much time. What do you think about this? And um, we get jazz hands. So it, that's really exciting. Um, I've sold a lot of technology in the past that's, that's not very sexy. Mm -hmm. uh, I, nobody ever gave me jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that we're getting these big smiles, um, they're like, oh, how'd you do that? Um, this is great. I would totally do this. Um, can I work with, you know, my stylist that I already work with? I'm like, sure, why not? They're like, oh my gosh, this is great. Mm. Um, and we have, we've, we've spoken to, uh, we started at the age of like 14 to see what, you know, what, what are the, what is the younger generation think? Mm -hmm. uh, they're really great at cutting out extra steps. Sure. They just expect everything to work. Yeah. <laughs> and quickly. Don't, don't mess about. Yeah. It all has to just work and it has to be only about them. They don't want mass anything. Mm -hmm. And so they've been great to work with. Uh, I mean, like we're working with the, with, with teens um, and, and getting that user feedback and it's helped a lot. And then when we talk to, 
to luxury shoppers that are used to this beautiful high touch service that they've been getting for 10 years, they're like, oh, I like it. This is, I can do this. Yeah. Um, because I can't always go into a store. Mm -hmm. And to be quite frank, you know, we're very lucky. I live in New York City. You live right in, the, you have stores, mm -hmm. right? In London. Um, when you live outside of a metropolitan area, a lot of stores are closing. And so they're being left with only having an online experience to do their shopping. Um, and so how do we make sure that those people still have access to the service that, mm. that they've had in the past or to provide a service that they've never had before or never had access to because they don't live in New York City? So, I mean, this is all fascinating and I'm really, I'm really intrigued and uh, massively enjoying the conversation. I, what would your advice be, um, Casey, to somebody then who's listening or watching the show going, that's, that's great, I, but I don't sell a $6,000 cashmere sweater. Exactly. And trust me, I, I understand that this is, this is not every business and, and my software it's not, it's not going to be for everybody. Mm. Our goal is to be everything to somebody. And that mm. that's really our goal. Um, because it's a different sales strategy, but that doesn't mean that there's not lessons that can be adopted mm. into, um, a utility purchase or a, um, self-serve environment it, or, or like even, you know, just lower price points in general. My biggest um, advice would be to pretend you're the consumer and what map out that journey and why would somebody come back to your store without advertising? Mm -hmm. If somebody's made That's a such a great question, such a great question. Why would anybody come back to buy a product from you? Mm -hmm. Was it quality? Was it the speed to checkout? Was it brain? What are the reasons? Are you donating money to a cause and, and are you sustainable? Are you, what marks? Yeah. Why does it matter that anybody buys a product from you? And that seems like a, a very simple question, but trust me, you can spend two hours trying to figure out why would anybody want to buy this product? And then why would they want to buy it from me? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a really nice, um, a really nice way of thinking about it because some companies send me two to three emails a day. Wow. My question is why does any person need one email from a brand, any brand even once a day? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a little bit uh, overkill to me. It's so normal. Mm. So normal. Um, you know, I get a lot of emails every day from, from brands um, asking me to buy something. Mm -hmm. every day <laughs> you know that's a really good way to just kind of turn the table yeah. and ask yourself if I was I am a consumer we're all consumers that's right how do I want to be treated and how can what would somebody what would a brand or a company do that would make me feel even more valuable and what can I do for my customers that is unique to me mm-hmm 
You know, I think those right. are just very simple questions that you can ask yourself about manners, even. Yeah. Uh, and think of it a little bit more as hospitality. Mm -hmm. How am I greeting people when they come onto my e-commerce store? Um, how am I saying thank you after they've placed a, a purchase? Um, these are very simple things that you can take some of the learnings of what premium and luxury brands do in a store and say, hmm, I can add that to my playbook. That yes. seems like a really nice way of engaging. Um, there's something that Sephora does um, that I find is very interesting. I think anybody can, can implement this. Um, they give you things. Every single time they make a purchase, mm -hmm. they actually give you product instead of asking you to buy more. <laughs> okay. So, I've not um, shopped there, so uh, what, so what do you mean? if you make a purchase, you get to pick like two samples of the other products to mm -hmm. go home and try it. Okay. Um, so a lot of, a lot of women are going to Sephora because you get treated with, with more things to try. So apart from Sephora, can you think of any sites that you shopped with that have done that well? You know, in, in different aspects, um, there's some companies that, you know, I'm not your typical shopper. No, I mean, you, you've you thought this through way more than the average <laughs> shopper has. Let's, let's just be real, right? I know too much. Um, yeah, and, yeah. My and my expectations is that, you know, I challenge uh, a brand when I engage with them. I challenge it and I try to break it. Yeah. Because if I can break it, I have something to fix and build. Yeah. Uh, so I will challenge. Um, <laughs> almost every single circumstance I can get myself into. Um, and that's fine. I mean, I'm the same way, right? Whenever yeah. I order something, I, I record the whole buying experience as I'm going, I'm talking, I'm screenshotting, I'm, because I know too much, right? When the, like today, a parcel arrived from a site I'd never purchased from it before. It was, the site was getting a bit of traction in the UK. I thought I'm going to buy something from them and see what that's like, that experience. And it was a, it was a, a cosmetics company and they were selling a soap and one of the big things on their website was sustainable it's environmentally friendly to buy this solid bar of soap rather than the soap mm -hmm. in the plastic jar right it's a common message i see these days and i was laughing today because it turned up this soap in a plastic bag it was in a inside a sealed plastic bag which i now have to throw away because it's single-use plastic um and that plastic bag was in a plastic bag, which was its packaging, which I now have to throw away because it was single use. So the whole message on their website versus the reality was, was quite different. But I'm like you, I, I analyze everything from how quick the website loads to how it arrives through my letterbox, right? Yeah. I, I always remember listening to Tony Shea from Zappos talking about, you know, one of the things he's always insisted on is the phone number for his company was always on every page and easy to see. We're not trying to not have people call us. We want people to call us. We want to make that easy. Um, and obviously he was known or Zappos is known for its service, or at least it was. Customer service. Yeah. You know, that was, um, he has an interesting story. Yeah. He, he, he set out to create Zappos to just build the best company he could imagine. Mm. You know, that was his goal. 
is I just want to build the best company that I can, you know, dream up. Um, so very, very interesting founder story. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, you know, no matter what product you're selling or you choose to sell, you know, there's so many different opportunities, whether or not you're going to be a retailer or whether or not you're going to kind of be a marketplace. If you're going to take a specific niche market, um, and focus on maybe sustainable products, um, and, and solve some of those problems and just kind of be that one-stop shop for a specific type of consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, or if it's just, you know, utility purchases um, and selling through Amazon channels and direct consumer sales, things like that. I think it just kind of, you know, comes down to stay in touch with your customer. It's fascinating listening to you talk about it because it's, it's the, the basics of taking care of your customer and understanding your customer and offering value that if I'm honest, seems to be the biggest challenge to e-commerce businesses. They, you know, you know, as well as I do, it's easy to throw up a website, right? You can throw up a website in less than 20 minutes. Just go to Shopify, right? Boom, there it is. Um, you could even buy a reasonable product to sell on your website pretty quickly. You know, it's the finding the source in the products is, I mean, it's an issue, but it's not the key issue. No. The key issue is understanding your customer. Who are they? Why do they want to buy? Where are they hanging out? How do I find them? How do I connect with them? How do I build a conversation with them rather than just treating them like, you know, they owe me a living, right? You, you, it's, it's fascinating uh, that this is the constant struggle, I think, of online business. Yeah, there's um, something happening on Instagram right now that was, was just brought to my attention, which speaks to this. Um, over Mother's Day, there was a lot of ads, right? Because a lot of people are advertising on Instagram. It's mm -hmm. kind of the number one place, especially for product and fashion companies sure. um, to get in front of an audience. There was a lot of ads leading up to Mother's Day and the day of Mother's Day and the day before and the whole entire week after, I noticed that my newsfeed on my Facebook and on LinkedIn, the conversation turned to, I purchased an item on an Instagram ad. I went to go check my shipping because it hasn't arrived yet because Mother's Day is tomorrow and the website no longer exists. No. I think that that's the first time I've, that it's just been really presented to me that this is an issue. Yeah. that I think could get a lot bigger. And, yeah. you know, it only takes a few bad players to ruin the trust for everyone. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Because if you can create a really pretty picture and a really beautiful website, that doesn't mean that you're safe to check out and that it's a reputable, real company. Yeah. I think that that's going to be more of a challenge as over the next couple of years mm -hmm. is to really understand who's a real company and who's just an advertisement and, um, and that communication and that access to your customer and building trust is going to become more important and being yeah. validated. Mm. There's no way to validate what business, what e-commerce store is legit. You know, you can copy and paste pictures of logos that, you, you can say you're McAfee secure. 
Yeah. It's really just copying a picture and placing it on your yeah, website. Yeah, yeah it, no, it's true. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't and actually mean anything unless it really means something and you build a relationship. So I think that's going to be a very curious aspect to look um, this holiday season to see if that becomes more prevalent. One of the trends I've seen a lot with Instagram advertising is people will go and they'll they'll find a product that's probably a a great little niche product. Um, so a classic example was on my Instagram feed, uh, I saw a, an advert, someone put an advert on my feed um, for a ultrasonic face scrubber. It's like an exfoliator for your skin, right? Because I go on a lot of beauty sites because I own a beauty e-commerce business. And so I clicked on the ad, went to the website and it's like, um, it, was, it, was an, it was a nice design site, um, free worldwide shipping. And you know, it was like, uh, 60 bucks as opposed to 120 bucks if you bought within like the next three days. And then they had this little thing popping up. So-and-so from this country is just bought. So-and-so from this country is just bought, you know, the little thing that pops up in the corner, which yeah. I think is a waste of time. And I never believe it. No, um, it's actually not real. You program it. Yeah. 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 It's totally not true. Uh, I always tell people to take it off their site. Anyway, this product I thought was fascinating because you know, the way they, the way they displayed it and talked about it, this was an advertiser. This wasn't a business. This was an advertiser who'd yeah. figured out how to, he changed, you know, he, they did clever images and clever video with clever headlines. I just went to Amazon, ultrasonic skin scrubber. It was half the price they were trying to sell it for on that website. And so these guys were literally just advertisers. They were taking, they wanted the impulse buyer there and then. Mm -hmm. you know, they were using all the tricks to get me to buy in an instant, paying twice as much money as I could buy it on Amazon or on any Google search, actually. I mean, I find Amazon's actually never the cheapest these days. You know, you just- No, it's not. And it's, and, uh, and, and you could, same product, right? And so I get what you're saying that advertisers, I think, are, are a very different animal in e-commerce now, aren't they? And they're here today, they're gone tomorrow. That's yeah. why I love luxury goods. Because there'll always be a market for luxury goods. Well, they've never used really advertising. Mm. They've been in brand management and creating a brand and a dream and beautiful product. And it was never on sale. Yeah. The sense of urgency was in collections yeah. and leveraging the items that your past experiences with the brand and compounding that. <laughs> I'll save for one year to buy something, mm -hmm. you know, just one thing. Cause I don't need it. We don't need a lot of stuff, you know? And I think that that kind of marketing kind of triggers and feeds that you need a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, when you think about what I'm going to do for my marketing strategy, just ask yourself why, mm -hmm you know, what's the purpose? And am I doing something that's hyped today that can give me a short term, which is fine. You can have like short term wins and strategic, you know, um, initiatives, but you always really want to have, what's my long-term strategic growth mm -hmm. going to look like? What's my plan? Um, and then you can stay true to that, you know, and, and your own business ethics and, and really create something that you, you're passionate about. Um, you can be passionate about those sonic skin, you know, um, scrubbers. 
I have one. They're great. <laughs> um, you can be very good to get your review. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good yeah, to get your review. Um, but it's you know, why would somebody come back? Because you're you're on the agency side. You know, I've been on the agency side in the past. Um, a client calls and says, "Hey, I need to increase my Instagram followers. I need a social strategy." Um, you go onto their website or their Instagram and they have, you know, 50,000 followers. I'm like, okay, I can work with that. And then you start going through all the posts and there's four likes. Yeah. There's one comment. Yeah. And you're like, ah, you just bought everybody. Mm -hmm. We're actually starting from zero. Yeah. Let's be real. We're, we're, we just have to be real. We have to, we're starting from zero. Yeah. Um, and, and, it's, and it's just like you built a business and then you bought fake customers. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to help sell your product. Um, so, you know, we would just go through and we just like, just delete it all of, of those and, and find out who's real. So let's run some competitions. Let's run some contests to get yeah. the followers engaged to find out who's real mm -hmm. and who did you pay for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of the, it's really interesting, actually, the same with, um, with email, you know, you say to clients all the time, well, how big is your email list? Oh, I've got, I had one uh, chat with a client this week, right? Um, value in his business. And they're like, Matt, we're trying to value our, our site. And we've got 120,000 people on our email list. No, you don't. Yes, we do. No. 120,000 people. Okay. Well, let's take off everybody that's not even opened an email from you in the last six months. Right? Yeah. And then let's take off everybody that's uh, not clicked through to your website in the last three months. In other words, you've got 120, you've got a big old list, but a thousand people maybe are actually real customers interacting with you on a regular basis. Well, if you can, if you, it's like coming back to what you said, if you can do something really great with those thousand customers, great. But you've got to wake up to the reality that actually 120,000 is not what you've got. You've got a thousand. And out of that thousand, you know, you've really got 20% of them will likely make a purchase again Yeah. in the next like three months. Right. Like we got to be real here. Like we don't buy a whole bunch of stuff. Like I'm not going to buy it every day, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that it is a very, cause, cause units equal potential conversion rate to come up to a revenue number and a forecast. And, you know, somebody like us, when we dig into the business, I can ruin that, that revenue forecast just by taking out of all the people that, yeah, that's just, this is just hard reality. Like that yeah. doesn't work. That's, that's, they'll never buy anything. Yeah. Um, and, and if they haven't opened in six months or they've only ever made one purchase from you, find out why. Mm grab 25 of them randomly call them up call them mm -hmm. say hey i'm the ceo of this company you made a purchase from us once i'd love to learn more about your purchasing experience so many consumers are floored when they receive that phone call they yeah. are so happy to tell you about it mm. and to say yes it worked no it didn't work if you need to process a refund on the fly a year later just process it. Mm -hmm. You will knock their socks off. <laughs> That's a really interesting challenge. So would you, um, 
I'm, I'm sort of thinking with my British hat on, uh, which is obviously quite different. Well, often is quite different to, to the US hat. Um, I'm the CEO of a company. The thought of calling 25 customers that haven't purchased in the last three months, that doesn't phase me. Uh, would you would you just call them on the fly or would you say actually first send them an email and say listen my name yeah. is i'm the ceo i'm i'm just really intrigued i'm i hope you don't mind but um can i give you a call in a day or two the number i have for you is this so yeah. would you email them first with some i would definitely email them you know and you know, a lot of times we don't have their phone number, you know, nice. SMS marketing is becoming, you know, bigger and bigger. So we do have a phone number. Um, but yeah, just, you know, I would email and just ask, you know, ask permission mm. and say, you know, would you be open to having, you know, a brief conversation with me? So, um, I can understand what your, what your shopping experience was like and maybe how I could have made it better. Mm -hmm. Um, and just learn more about, you know, your experience with our product. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, 25 is, is not a big number in the grand scheme of having a- No, you'll do that in an hour because only five people will answer, right? No, exactly. And, and, and just setting up those appointments, but it just gives you a peek into some potential opportunities. Mm. You know, it's just a couple potential opportunities of what can I do better? Where did I miss? Yeah. Um, and, and understand where am I winning? Yeah. And, just do more of the, you know, reduce more of the stuff that you're missing and do more of the stuff that you're winning. And just, you know, what can I do to just focus on knocking it out of the park? Um, I think it's very interesting how aggressive marketers are in the office. Yeah. And then when they go home, <laughs> they get frustrated at all of these advertisements and I don't want this and I don't want you to have my data and I'm deleting yeah. Facebook. But nine to five. That's what they do, right? I'm spending $200,000 on Facebook ads for the company. I'm doing this. I'm sending out emails. We're working on strategy. And then you get home and you turn into the market, the consumer and you're like, well, you don't like it either. Yeah. So I understand that those are standards. These are industry standards. Things are working. Email works. It converts. It works. But what happens when that channel changes? I find there's when people email, or Facebook because they're anonymous mm -hmm. what they say can often be quite mean and it it's often there's a frustration built up inside of them and it just becomes like this do you know what I mean this explosion when they when people email you so but when you call people and talk to people actually they're more human mm -hmm. because they know they're talking to a human rather than when you email you don't feel like you're talking to a human do you know what I mean it's, it's a really odd experience and so I think I mean, I think you're right. I think this, this whole, it does change. It is changing. It is much more personalization. It is much more, how can you care for me? How do you show value? And bizarrely, I think that's actually coming back to the conversation. And, you know, we, we employ people of various different age groups. Mm -hmm. And what I find fascinating is um, if I ask someone in our company who's say over 45, 40, say over 40, could you, um, you know, maybe we had an issue with a customer. I say, would you mind just giving that customer a call and just seeing how they get on? They're going to pick up the phone. They're going to call the customer, right? Anybody who's under 30, if I say the same thing to them, the net, if I go to them the day later and say, did you call that customer to see how you, you know, see, see what was going on? They went, yeah. 
I sent them an email. It was, it's really, and I've, I, I've just noticed this trend that anybody that sort of over a certain age that was used to calling people was happy to call anybody who is young is like, it's like this thing scares them. It is a, it is a fear thing. It's an, it calling is actually quite intimate, Mm. right? Like you're calling somebody to talk to them person to person, human to human, you're taking up time, right? You're asking somebody to stop what they're doing and have a quick conversation with you. Mm. And it is intimate. And, you know, I have a friend who, who has a technology company and his sales team is under 30. They're new, they're hungry, mm-hmm. they're passionate, and, you know, they're, they're coachable. And he's like, Casey, will you please come over here? What can I do for you? Because I would really like you to come over and work with my sales team for a day because they won't pick up the phone. (laughs) They're scared of the phone. Mm. Like they've had a demo with someone uh, twice with the team. They have multiple emails and they're sitting here saying, gosh, I wonder if I should email again. I just emailed two days ago and they didn't answer me. I'm like, pick up the phone and call them. And they're scared. And so I was like, okay, give me like 20, 30 customers that are just dead, right? Like they were leads, they're dead leads, they don't qualify, they're not a good fit for you. You have a half an hour to call every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And you need to just get hung up on. And you just need to just call and introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Casey. Like, you can do this. Um, And a lot of people say, like, cold calling is dead, even in sales. Um, But I can trace back to every single piece of software I've ever sold. None of it ever came from an email that I sent. Yeah. It was from a relationship. It was from a phone call. It was because I understand their business. I understand their, some constraints. I'm going to reach out to the person who probably has this problem and see if it makes sense for us to talk. Cause when you're in sales or you have a product that you're selling, you are, you're a painkiller. You know, you shouldn't be um, a bother. Yeah. You should want to talk to me because I'm here about, relieving pain. And if you have pain, I want to be the person coming to the rescue um, to relieve that pain. I'm not just trying to get money from you. And I think that those are, you know, different sales tactics. Um, But I'm like, you can be really great if, and you can close a deal faster if you just pick up the phone and have a relationship. Because if there's five vendors that somebody's choosing from, the person that builds the relationship wins yeah no it's true it's very it's a, it's a i think it's a really great challenge actually and if you're if you are listening to the show and you do have an e-commerce website why don't you do that just get the 25 people give them a call um and uh find out some of the best changes we've made to our website have come as a result of calling our clients um and saying listen we're thinking of doing this what do you think and they'd go well, that's kind of cool but it'd be really nice if dot 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 Oh, you're like, wow. Okay, we were just about to spend thousands of pounds or dollars building this over here, but actually what you want is the $5 solution. Um, you know, thank you. <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah, 
okay, missed that. Would not have, I thought you needed complicated, but apparently you don't, which is wonderful. Uh, so, hey, listen, Casey, this has been fantastic. Hi. And I'm, I'm aware of, uh, yeah, yeah, no, they're great. And would, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to check in with you again in a few months time, because uh, I, I, find, I find it fascinating. Um, let me ask you one final question, if I may. Um, a girlfriend comes up to you and says, hey, Casey, listen, I want to start an e-commerce business. What do I, what, what do, I do? What's your, what's your top piece of advice for them? <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's well, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, my, my first advice is to get proof of concept. And that would be like, open up a Shopify account. Mm -hmm. It's inexpensive. It's proven. It's easy to add add-ons. Yep. Um, and you can design it quite pretty um, yep. very easily. Um, and just start with Shopify account, sell your product, and, and start understanding um, who your customer is. But the first time anybody like says, hey, I want to open up an e-commerce store, I mean, my first question is like, for who? What customer is it for? Yeah. Um, and customer. who else is selling it online? It yeah. changes completely when you go from hanging a product in a store mm -hmm. to going online because people say, I've heard it a lot from a lot of clients. Oh, we don't compete with them. As soon as you go online, Google yoga leggings or yeah. yoga pants. Yeah. You compete with them. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What do you, what's your first advice? Oh, uh, exactly the same thing. Um, <laughs> it's like, uh, we have a, I have a very set specific questions that I go through and, and very early on in that list is, well, what are you selling and to who are you selling it? And why are they going to buy it from you? You know, these sort of, mm -hmm. how's it going to change their life? Um, because you, you wouldn't believe the amount of people who have started e-commerce businesses and they, they get in touch and they're like, Matt, can you review my website? Cause I'm, I'm getting like hundreds of thousands of people come into my website and, um, but no one's buying anything. And in fact, if you go to the Shopify forums, it's the biggest thing I've got traffic, but no sales. And it's because they've not done what you said. Um, they've not taken the time to understand who their customer is and actually what, what do they want to buy? Yeah. So, They've, they've figured, and I mean, one of the things that Shopify, I, I always tell people start on a Shopify site and Shopify are great at showing you how to go and find people using Facebook ads, right? It seems to be this road they take you down. You signed up to Shopify, we're now gonna teach you about Facebook advertising and because it's cheaper than Google ads, it's quick and it's easy, bush, away you go. We can teach you this in two hours. And so, so you know, before you know, it, you've got your site set up, you've spent 400 bucks on advertising, you've had a thousand people come to your website and no sales whatsoever. Um, and so, yeah, I'm often, I often talk people into to sort of avoiding that trap um, because that's just a waste of money. I'm just like, just give me the 400 bucks and don't open the site and you'll be better off, you know? <laughs> um, but no, the same thing, the same thing, proof of concept. Have you, how do you, how are you going to prove this? Who's your customer? I want to know about them. Yeah. There's, why are they going to buy that product from you? Yeah, there's a lot of hidden costs in e-commerce that people don't realize. It's like, just because you build it doesn't mean anybody's going to come. No, um, not anymore. It used to be, 
it used to be 2002 when we built our first e-commerce website that's exactly how it worked but this is like 17 years ago right we were just like this is amazing uh how how, why is nothing like as easy as it but it doesn't work like that anymore no um i was working with a client that um was celebrity had a celebrity endorsement like it was a celebrity's you know product and um the product that they sold that they wanted to launch e-commerce with um was not expensive at a very low price point Mm. um and the question came up to i don't know if you can afford to compete with your pricing Mm. because if it costs three dollars and 99 cents you can't ship for free no you can't afford customer service you can't afford the box that it comes in you know packaging Mm-hmm. like the overall cost like what is your average order value have to be for you to absorb the cost of logistics of shipping a product yep. and potential return yep. because it can just hemorrhage cash yeah massively and so um you know there was a lot of technology that we built in their e-commerce shopping experience to bundle so that the more you bought and the more you added the better price that you got so that we could ship four items or five Mm -hmm. items and reduce the amount of like any potential of returns because they could not afford free shipping and anything for returns Mm -hmm. Um, because you have to cover your, your logistics partner. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to pay for those returns (laughs) in, in, in labor. And um, you know, and we had to build out, uh, an ROI analysis. This is how much money you're going to have to spend for advertising by channel, average conversion rates. This is how much customer service is going to cost by X amount of like time per week, logistics, packaging, the cellophane that goes, the product goes yeah. into, that goes into the box, you know, that costs money too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how much does it actually cost you, uh, to open up an e-commerce store? Mm-hmm. Um, and what does a minimum viable product look like? Um, you know, the, the lean startup, you know, like what's the minimum that I can do and, and how do I grow that? Um, but it took us some, you know, a room full of execs and like strategists to come up with how do I sell makeup that's all under $5 yeah. online. Cause that, ew, there's not enough margin in that product. No, there isn't. There isn't at all. So it comes into you know volume plays and and like different strategies that are less about you know luxury, but that lifetime value. Yeah. If I can sell four pieces every single month to my customer or every other month for the next three years, okay. Now we're talking a different story. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to be a part of the journey. Like you, I quite enjoy the challenge. I love the fact that it's different today than it was yesterday. And you've got to constantly kind of move and stay up with it. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. We're learning so much in our industry on a daily basis that I talk to some friends that maybe work in finance or they work in, in other aspects of like different industries and I'm just always so excited to talk about what I'm doing because I'm learning so much every day. And, and they're kind of, 
they don't have as much of that content or industry changes that affect their day-to-day job. <laughs> like, Casey, you're the most excited person I know that like goes to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a wonderful uh, testimony to have, right? That, you know, I'd rather people say that about me than, oh, you hate your job. Life is so fun. Yeah, yeah. life is so fun. <laughs> Casey, how do, how do people get hold of you? How do people uh, connect with you? Where do they find you? Yeah, well, I think the, the most meaningful way is you can visit our website at www.luxlock.com and you can claim your closet. We will be, you can sign up, register, and then as we onboard new brands that use our technology, uh, we're going to be compiling your closet and all of your preferences so you can get these beautiful custom shopping experiences with the brands that use our software. Wow. And is it free to sign up? or is It is a- free to sign up. You should never have to pay for service. That's very true. Very, very true. I like it. So you actually have <laughs> to go sign up. We love early adopters and you might even get a phone call from me to ask you how everything is working. Have you tried it yet? <laughs> um, what are your favorite brands that you know you would find this helpful with? So, um, yeah, Fantastic. I appreciate it. Fantastic. So that's luxlock.com. Check it out. Go sign up for your free account. Casey, listen, thank you so, so much. It's been great having you on the show. Brilliant to get to know you. Brilliant to hear your insight. I've made lots of notes in my using my analog pen. Uh, and <laughs> Lots of notes, lots of ideas, which is is always great. And uh, so thank you so much. Really, really do appreciate it. Such a fun conversation. Anytime. Wow, wow, just wow. I really, really enjoyed this conversation with Casey. It was a fantastic conversation. And my thanks again to Casey Gordon for taking the time to uh, chat with us and give us the amazing advice that she did. Take Casey's advice, right? And pretend you're the consumer and map out that journey. Ask yourself, why would somebody come back to your store without any advertising? Is it the quality? Is it the speed of the checkout? What are the reasons? Why would they want this product? And they, and more importantly, why do they want it from you, right? One thing is clear. You've got to understand your customer, even if it means picking up the phone to 25 customers to understand their experience. Do it. It will be worth it. It will transform your website. Oh, I know you're going to want to listen to this episode again, which you're more than welcome to do, of course, but you can get hold of the transcript as well. I'm going to put that with the show notes, uh, along with a link to all things Casey uh, on my website, mattedmondson.com. So do head on over there and download that. It will give you all the notes you need and you can read and inwardly digest many times over and extract all the goodness for your own business, right? Oh, it was so good. So, so good. Anyway, make sure you connect with me on social media. uh, And uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm really actually, if I'm honest with you, I'm loving Instagram at the moment. I've started doing this uh, little mini vlog series on Instagram, which is going well. Uh, So if you want to check that out and see that, make sure you go to instagram.com forward slash Matt Edmondson and connect with me there. It will be great to meet you and to uh, talk with you and engage with you on the 
on that platform. I am really, really enjoying it. I don't know what your platform of choice is, but mine is definitely Instagram at the moment. But of course, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter, like I say. Um, and of course, it goes without saying, do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it will be great to stay connected with you. I really want to make sure that the show is continually bringing some great stuff uh, for my fellow e-commerce entrepreneurs out there on how to do business better online. So subscribe. It's totally free and it is jam-packed full of good stuff. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And until next time. You've been listening to the Curiosity Podcast with Matt Edmondson. Subscribe and join us next time as we carry on conversations about all things e-commerce and digital business.